0: For Lent this year, we're going on a journey with Jesus to the cross. We're trying to think about the stories, the places, the events, and, and, and the way the gospel writers are setting up the meaning of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Um, our goal is to discern what they're, they're trying to tell us, the little clues that they're leaving about the identity and the work of Jesus. Last week, we journeyed uh, with Jesus through Jericho and up to Bethany, towards uh, on the other side of the Mount of Olives. There, Mary anointed Jesus' feet with a, and head with expensive oil. We saw how Jesus is being anointed, and he's, he's, his moment of being the king has come. That theme continues today as we look at Palm Sunday. Now, it's a little helpful, I think, to get our bearings about uh, the way uh, Jerusalem, the city, is set up. In many Bible stories, there are these geographical references. Okay? They, they reference the way the land is laid out, where things are. And a lot of times, and I didn't know this early on in my own Bible reading, um, but, but a lot of those geographic references have meaning. And so it's helpful just to pay attention to where things are happening, where things are going, because sometimes you'll lose some of the meaning if you don't follow the geography. Today is one of those times where there's some important pieces of the geography They come into play in the story. Now, Jerusalem is actually set on a series of hills with valleys around them. And in ancient times, the valleys were very deep. And so it was a a well-fortified city, originally a Jebusite city that Israel had trouble taking over because it was such a defensible city. Today, the valleys aren't near as deep as they used to be. They've just been filled in over the years, particularly as Jerusalem has been destroyed and rebuilt on multiple occasions, okay, but but you might think of of Jerusalem looking kind of like a W with the vow val- with the valleys around it, um, kind of a, a the big valleys around and then a central valley that is a little bit smaller. Uh, in fact, the, the central valley is really even hard to see today because it's so filled in. It was not that deep to begin with, and the city kind of fills it. Okay, but trying to do this from your perspective. On the east is the Kidron Valley, and it separates Jerusalem and the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives. Remember, Jesus is staying in Bethany on the other side of the Mount of Olives, okay? And then, so the Kidron Valley goes down, and then it goes and actually heads out towards the Dead Sea. But at the bottom of uh, of these hills, then another valley comes off the Kidron Valley called the Hinnon Valley, Okay. When you, when you put those words together, the Valley of Hinnon, it becomes Gehenon or Gehenna, which was, at Jesus's, in Jesus' day, was the city dump. Okay, all your garbage, all your refuse, everything went into uh, Gehenna. And so, um, so that image is, uh, is there. And interestingly enough, the, uh, the closest link to Presbyterianism in, in Jerusalem is probably St. Andrew's Scott's Memorial Church, and it's found in Gehenna. That's right. The Presbyterians are in hell in Jerusalem. Gehenna goes then around uh, from the, the from the Kidron Valley. The Gehenna, the Hinnon Valley, goes up and around the other side of Jerusalem, and then that central valley cuts it again, kind of making a W, or uh, looking a lot like the Jewish letter Shin, uh, which is the the, the word is the, in the word Shalom. So the Shin looks like our W. Okay. And uh, um, this, these, these two valleys, the, the lower parts, are the city of David to the east, and that's the oldest part of the city. And then, and then to the west of that is Mount Zion. Above the city of David is the Temple Mount, and then there's what's called the western hill west of the Temple Mount. And so um, the, the city of David was uh, between the Central Valley and the Kidron Valley, and down there in the Kidron Valley um, was a, uh, a spring, the Gahon Spring, uh, which becomes an important part of a number of stories in the Old Testament. That's why the original city was there. Um, now, Bethany is uh, is on the other side of that Kidron Valley, on the other side of the Mount of Olives, about 1.8 miles from Jerusalem. So Jesus would have naturally walked around the top of the Mount of Olives and he would have passed the city of Bethpage which is really just right on top of the city the Mount of Olives and then he would have come down through the beautiful olive trees through the uh, the Gethsemane the olive press at the bottom in that valley and then a lot of times what pilgrims would do is come down the Kidron Valley and then come up to the Temple Mount through the old city of David so they you would sort of zigzag your way down to go south and then come back to the temple through the southern steps. And what's interesting about this, Jerusalem's so small that from the Mount of Olives, you can basically see the whole thing. Now, that's going to be the the area that we're going to be paying attention to. As we think about this story of Palm Sunday, let's pick it up in Luke 19. When he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany... At the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you where, you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, you shall say, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, throwing their cloaks on the colt. And Jesus sat on it. And he rode along, and they spread their coats on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began rejoicing and praising God with a loud voice for all, all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees said to the crowd, teacher, uh, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now notice how, first of all, how intentional Jesus's plan is. Okay. Um. Uh, I don't know about you, but if somebody started to borrow my car and I said, hey, uh, what are you doing? And somebody said, well, the Lord has need of it. I'm not sure I would let them have the car, right? Um, What's what's probably happening here is Jesus has already arranged for the donkey. uh, Or maybe Lazarus or Simon the leper, one of his friends in Bethany, has already uh, set it up. And so he he comes... uh, from Bethany goes his disciples go ahead of him to Bethpage find this donkey that no one has ever ridden on and then he comes then into uh, starts coming down the mount of olives and into the Kidron valley so Jesus is setting this up okay he he wants to ride a donkey he wants them to find the donkey why is he setting this up why would he want to do this and 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 after all Jesus we don't know he's ever ridden a donkey <laughs> Um, we he, he doesn't, when he's walking, he didn't bring one with him on the way to Galilee. So why, it almost looks lazy to walk in this 1.8 miles from now Beth's page, uh, you know, one and a quarter miles to Jerusalem. Why ride a donkey? Well, there's a, there's a major reason for this. And, it, and it's not that Jesus' feet were tired. It's an Old Testament passage, Zechariah 9.9, 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, there was in Israel this expectation that a king was coming, that God was going to do something to answer their prayers, that someone from the line and lineage of David was going to march into town. Um, but he's not going to march like other kings march. In fact, that same day, probably King Herod had marched in with soldiers, Probably Pilate, Pontius Pilate, had marched in with soldiers. But Jesus comes humbly. Now what they thought was that this king was going to come in and was going to kick out the Romans. It was going to restore Israel to, this, to its own sovereign nation. So they're looking for this king riding on a donkey. This is, this is Passover too. This is the time when you're thinking about being saved by God from slavery and oppression because that's what God did with Moses in Egypt. The celebration of Passover is about being freed. You Remember that story that that God sent the ten plagues. Pharaoh would not let the people go. So God uh, sent boils, frogs, gnats, turning water into blood, all of these. But the last plague was the one that finally got him out. The angel of death was sent through Egypt, and he would enter the house and kill the firstborn male if there was no blood of the lamb on the door. But if that plan was there, he would pass over the house, hence the name Passover. So Passover is this big time to remember God's saving work. And, and Jesus wants to enter into the city out of this passage from Zechariah. okay, He wants to somehow fit into this larger story. Now the words that the people say come out of Psalm 118. This is one of the Halal Psalms, which includes Psalms 113 to 118, and it's a set of songs used for liturgy. Okay, it's used in in the the church services of Israel. Okay, and it, it celebrates God's redemption of Israel, and and they were especially sung at Passover. Okay, so the crowd isn't this this imagery is not lost on the crowd because they start. To actually quote some of this let me read psalm 118 25 and 26 save us we pray O lord okay that's what hosanna means give us success blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord we bless you from the house of the lord hosanna O oh, save this is a variation of these words and they start they start cheering the crowd gets the blessing of jesus right He is coming in the name of the Lord. He is coming to save, but the salvation is not going to look like the thing that they think. Then there's a line in there that's not from the verse. It said, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Uh, See, the, the crowd, they can see part of the story, but they still are thinking in terms of an earthly king and an earthly kingdom and Jewish salvation for the nation, but they're not thinking about this larger issue of saving The world. Jesus is more of a king than they're expecting. He's the king of everything. In the humility of coming in on a donkey, he's walking into this image, but he's also, in some ways, walking in in a way different than they're expecting. And so they start waving their palm branches. In the desert, palms represented oasis, shade. And where you could see palm trees, there's obviously some kind of water. They could provide... uh, 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 food in this area. If there were if there were uh, other trees, date trees, the sap could be used to make wine or to sweeten wine. So palms became a, a symbol of blessing, of fertility. Uh, we see palms carved into the walls of the temple, into the doors of the temple. Palm fawns were used in ancient religious ceremonies. Okay, there's a whole festival called the Feast of the Tabernacles, where people would build these booths or huts, and they live in them, and they're covered in palm branches palms became the symbol of Israel the symbol of the promised land the desert uh the oasis in the desert and a land filled with milk and honey now there's also a couple of important historical things that are that are in the back of people's minds that we don't always initially see when we read this story okay number 1 when we, we don't know exactly where Jesus goes at this time. There's, there's sort of a Palm Sunday road that, that, that is there now. But uh, the way this is described, it could have gone on kind of all day. But what we know is that Jesus comes in and he goes down the Kidron Valley in some way and then eventually winds up heading towards the temple. And he probably goes past the Gehon Spring. The Gohon Spring in the Kidron Valley is important because it's there that Solomon was anointed king. And there were people that wanted to anoint somebody else as king, but David wanted Solomon to be the next king, and so he made sure that Solomon got anointed at that spring. And so Jesus may have, probably have, probably walks right past the Gahon Spring where Solomon uh, was anointed as king. Now, there's another th- incidence where King Jehu is anointed as king in the Old Testament, 2 Kings 9, And and there, there's a parade of people laying their cloaks on the ground so that he doesn't have to walk and get his feet dirty. Remember, that's what people are doing for Jesus. Three, I've already made the case that Zechariah's words are really important for the way this king is coming on a donkey. And then, not in the Bible, but between the Old and the New Testament, there were members of this family called the Maccabeans, the Maccabees family, and they led a revolt against Rome. And when Simon Maccabeus entered in Jerusalem, he entered with music and singing, and very importantly, the waving of palm branches. Okay, so as all these, think about the, imagine the fanfare, the excitement, what's going through everybody's head as this, this is swirling. Oh my goodness, this is like Zechariah. This is like Psalms. This is like Maccabees. This is like Solomon. It's like Jehu. I mean, all of these images, okay? And remember that Jesus set all those up. Perhaps this is the one who will save us from the Romans. And now you can see why this act is such a threat to the Romans. And you can see why this is such a threat to the priests and the the scribes and the Pharisees. Because Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what they're expecting, and he knows what's coming. He knows that his crucifixion is coming on Friday. And so he receives the praise because he deserves the praise even though he knows and it's clear that they don't quite know that what he what he's going to do in his humility he comes but it's not what they're expecting again we're not sure what what uh, road he takes but there is a road that you can go to now that's called the palm sunday road the mount of olives is basically a giant cemetery today and um There are a number of churches along the way. What's neat about being on the Mount of Olives is you can just see all of Jerusalem. It's not that big of a place. And there's a a pretty chapel on that hill on the Mount of Olives. Um, One of my favorite chapels in all of Israel that I've been to. It's called the Chapel of Dominus Flevit. Dominus Flevit is Latin. It means the Lord wept. It was built in 1955 by an Italian architect. On the site of a seventh-century chapel, and it's meant to mark the incident—an an incident that happens on the Palm Sunday road. So let me pick back up in Luke 19 now, Luke 19:41. And when he drew near and saw the city, and I told you he can see the whole thing. He wept over it, saying, "What would you, even you, had known? Uh, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make peace." But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone set upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So Jesus is riding in. He can see the whole city and he begins to weep. Why? Because he knows this city is going to be destroyed. He's predicted it before. He knows that in the year 70 AD, this city is going to be totally destroyed. Temple is going to be thrown down and we're never going to find any pieces of it ever again. Okay? And, and he knows the destruction that's coming, that the city will be surrounded, it'll be attacked, and it'll be torn apart. And so he weeps. And in the, in the chapel of Dominus Flebit has this round roof. It's meant to look like a teardrop, but upside down. So you're in a teardrop. And on the corners of the building are jars, like burial jars, or like tear, like jars that you would catch tears in uh, at a funeral in those days. And there's a great window in that chapel that actually shows you, you can look through, you can see a cross, but then you can look and see most of Jerusalem through that window and see the Dome of the Rock where the temple used to stand. And you can imagine Jesus crying for those people and for that city. Um. Amazingly, he, he's not judging people for getting him wrong, for having poor expectations. He, he loves these people. He loves this city. Can we say that about the people that are in our lives? Can we say that about our city, our zip code, that we weep for it, that we mourn for the, the terrible things that happen in our midst? So this is poem Sunday of Holy Week, and it, the scene ends rather anticlimactically. Jesus simply finally ends his parade, maybe takes most of the day, ends up going up onto the Temple Mount, looks around, and then he leaves. And he heads back to Bethany for the night. Perhaps his parade had gone down to the Gihon Spring, had circled around the Mounts of David. Maybe it had happened through a lot of Jerusalem. But in the end, it didn't amount to anything. Because the day is still coming. And Jesus is not going to be anointed as king there. He's going to, during this week, go to the cross. Get used to that a little bit. Remember, we're journeying to the cross. So this story is a little anticlimactic. A lot of these scenes end up going to the cross. But remember, too, that Easter's coming, that resurrection happens, that the return of Jesus is coming. And he may not be the Savior we're expecting, He may not be the Savior that we're looking for, and we're still waiting for him to return to be the king to this day, but he is still worthy of our praise.